in the last month, I've gotten more emails than I have in my entire career from parents whose kids have committed suicide. And I'm just devastated by these emails, you know, and they say things like, I didn't know, I, 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 my kid was popular and my kid had this or other stories, but it just makes me wonder without ever being judgmental, because it's the worst thing in the world to lose someone, is are we really present with people? You're listening to What's the Lesson, a podcast that inspires girls and those that love them to grow in their knowledge, skills, and abilities while working towards becoming the most confident version of themselves. We're your hosts, Jill and Mary, once corporate leaders and entrepreneurs turned confidence coaches who are obsessed with raising the next generation of female leaders. We're the founders of Girls Mentorship, a personal growth and development company for teen and tween girls. We're here to give them the tools to be resilient, problem solvers, and to simply be good people. Everything we wish we had access to at their age. We'll be sitting down with versatile guests to talk about things like how to manage expectations, bounce back from failure, even strategies to break up with a toxic relationship. We want this community to lift one another up. So starting right now, you get to practice reaching your hand back and bringing other girls along for the ride. Let's go. Welcome back to What's the Lesson podcast. It's your girl, Jill. And today I'm going to be doing a solo episode. A solo episode with someone who I have adorned for a while now. I'd say like a good couple of years. Yeah, good couple of years. And before I introduce who this person is and welcome him onto our show, I want to read his bio because it is juicy and it really paints a picture of who he is. Mark Brackett is a professor in Yale University's Child Study Center and founding director of the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. In his 25 years as an emotional scientist, he has developed a remarkably effective plan to improve the lives of children and adults, a blueprint for understanding our emotions and using them wisely so that they help rather than hinder our success and well-being. Mark, take us back 25 years ago. Where did the work really come from? And I know that there's a personal story behind all of this. Well, you know, it is a way too long of a story for a podcast. You can give us the Cliff's notes. Yeah. As you know, from the opening of my book, I had a difficult childhood. You know, it was um, sadly with abuse. I had two parents who loved me dearly, but neither had gone to the school of emotional intelligence. And so they just didn't know really what to do with their own feelings and certainly didn't know, you know, what to do with mine. And it was tough, you know, a lot of suppression, repression, eating, crying, screaming, hitting, you know, all things that you don't have to get a doctorate in, you know, to learn about in terms of unhealthy emotion regulation. And um, I was blessed in life with all that to have an uncle who was writing a curriculum believe it or not, to teach kids about feelings. And he happened to stay with us in uh, one summer when he was getting his master's degree. And I attribute him with the first, being the first person to um, 
essentially asked me the question, which was, how are you feeling? He didn't say it and then kind of like tell me to toughen up or tell me like, well, let's, you know, get over it or having a breakdown kind of like my mom did. Um, when I shared all of my pain, he said, we're going to get through this together. And so that's why my book's called Permission to Feel, because I believe um, that my uncle was the first adult to give me that permission. And so that was kind of honestly the beginning of my career as an emotion scientist, because we started talking about feelings. We started, he was doing lessons and I would, he'd ask me to type them up on, you know, different feeling words like alienation versus isolation versus jubilance and elation. And then things got a little bit better for me. And when I went to college, you know, I started having more anxiety and fear again about who I was, my identity, where I was going in life, went and saw a therapist. And in that therapy, um, I had an epiphany that my calling was to pull my uncle out of retirement and <laughs> um, write a curriculum to teach kids about feelings. That was a real curriculum that would be based in all of his years of experience as an educator in my two minutes thinking I was a psychologist. And that led me to get my PhD, which then led me to become a professor. And 25 years later, I'm, you know, still trying to figure out yeah. what I'm doing. Of course. I mean, it is, it's the coolest story. And a lot of times when Mary and I are mentoring our girls, we obviously celebrate the peaks in girls' lives. But a lot of times, the valleys are where we learn a lot of our lessons. Yeah. So we say, how do we kind of reflect on those valleys? And maybe that your mess could be your message. And what you've gone through over your life really kind of led you to the last 25 years. And it, it's cool to hear that people like that one, your, your uncle was the one person who allowed you to feel differently or think differently. And then, you know, the, then the therapy and then going to school, like all of it was really part of your path. And I love that, that now you are still seeking understanding of how you're feeling and, and being an emotional scientist. I love that, but it's right. really cool to, to see that you're, and I don't want to, I no disrespect that you're, that you're mess, but what you've overcome is now what you what you get to call a career yeah it's like the kelly clarkson song right what doesn't kill you makes you stronger <laughs> um, what doesn't kills you makes you stronger oh i love that song yes <laughs> and but i think the most important thing you know is that it was all through people you know i feel blessed in life you know i have a lot of grit i'm someone who does persevere mm -hmm. Even with my trauma as a child, I was always a precocious kid. I just was suffering. But when I think about, you know, where I'm at today with a program that's in, you know, almost 4,000 schools across 27 uh -huh. countries, it's all about the people, you know, it's yeah. all about, and it's all about emotionally intelligent relationships. Right. I just, you know, Uncle Marvin was there for me in my childhood and it made a huge difference, you know, and so many people along, you know, this journey have taught me more about who I am, have supported me with who I probably should be. And I hate to use the word should, but 
Sometimes like, <laughs> you know, it could have behaved. Yeah. I just think we underestimate that these skills are not built in isolation. They're built mm. in communities. In, in, re in relationships. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm just thinking about like the parents or the people who are tuning into this. When you say that you are an emotional scientist, what does that mean? And how can people listening in, how can I, even me, who I feel like I've, I'm constantly in the practice, I'm constantly in the work, but man, I am never arrived. I, I'm not like, woohoo, okay, I've figured life out. I wish that were the case, but I'm constantly, I'm constantly practicing. I'm practicing patience. I'm practicing growth. I'm practicing being open, not closed-minded. Mm -hmm. So how, how do you explore being an emotional scientist? What does that mean? And how do we start? Well, it starts with permission to feel. And so what I mean by that specifically, it starts with us, meaning you and me, giving ourselves and each other the permission to be our true full feeling selves mm. and that's a lot because society has made us very judgmental about feelings yeah uh, you know and there's gender differences here i know that a lot I... of this is women like for men you know if you're a, a leader like i am i have a team of 60 people and i'm prone to being anxious just both from my like development and my genetics and so can I show up as a leader and be like, I'm having a breakdown, <laughs> like probably not <laughs> helpful, but yet it's real. I'm still successful. Right. I'm still, you yeah. Know, you can be anxious and successful. You can be angry and successful, right? It's, it's really about what you do with those feelings. And so what I find is that we have feelings about our feelings, you know, I'm embarrassed and I'm so anxious. I shouldn't, I'm a tough guy. I'm a leader of a center for emotional intelligence. I shouldn't be feeling this way. And we have to let all that go. And mm -hmm. feelings are feelings, they're experiences. They're not to be judged. And so then the question is, what do you do with your feelings? And that's when I came up with this idea of being an emotion scientist versus an emotion judge. Yeah. But the emotion scientist is firstly, they're open to feeling. Second is they're curious, like, how am I really feeling? They want to get granular and specific and precise. Am I angry or am I irritated? Am I anxious or am I overwhelmed? Am I happy or am I ecstatic? Am I calm or am I tranquil? And then with dealing with feeling, they have a growth mindset around that too, because if anything, the pandemic taught us that we're going to fail at dealing with our feelings. <laughs> I can tell you You're that, right. You know, more than I have not during the last two years, my patience is thinner, my fuse is okay. shorter. And I try to take the high road, but sometimes I say the wrong thing. And I got to apologize and ask for forgiveness and, right. and ask myself what the heck got into me to say that stupid thing that's going to now, you know, <laughs> make me yes. get my relationships for another, you know, go back to therapy. <laughs> the emotion judge is very different. The emotion judge is like, who cares about feelings? You know, suck it up. Mm -hmm. um, Rub some dirt on it. Yeah. And so obviously my vision is to create a world filled with compassionate emotion scientists. Mm -hmm. How do we do that? Well, it's life's work. Right. You got to know that. It doesn't like, you mm -hmm. don't just an emotion scientist 
tomorrow. It's work. And, you know, just like you can't make predictions about your entire life because you just, life happens, you know, who knew there was going to be a pandemic yeah. in March of 2020? Um, who knew what feelings we'd have being in quarantine? We never had that before or working alone or managing a team mm -hmm. of six in your kitchen table. Right. I know I just couldn't make that prediction. So I had to like live it, feel it and like mm -hmm. say, oh my gosh, this is not so easy. And like, all right, what's my strategy? Yeah. So it is life's work. You know, we, we are in love with people. Then we fall out of love with people. People are in our lives and they pass away. You know, it's life is filled with events and experiences that bring us to places that we can't imagine. Right. And so the best we can do is build that muscle so that we're better prepared for those experiences. Absolutely. And that's where, you know, ruler, which is obviously the heart of my book. Yes. Um, comes into play. Are these are the underlying skills of emotional intelligence. So recognizing emotions, right? Paying attention, right? To your facial expressions, your body language, your vocal tone, your behavior, right. my own inner experience, understanding emotion. Why am I feeling this way? What's underneath my feelings? What causes me to feel disappointment versus frustration versus anger? Labeling them. Is it anger or is it irritation? Is it sadness mm -hmm. or despair? Is it pleased or is it contentment or joyfulness? That's the R-U-L of ruler. And so the way I think about that is that R-U-L is all about making meaning of our own and other people's experiences, like really getting to the core emotional experience. Right. Well, I wish I, because again, Mary and I use this, we, we call it your prescription, the ruler approach mm -hmm. we use with our girls. And every time we sit down with our girls, we have them assess how they're feeling on a scale of one to 10. One, you're not super pumped to be here, or maybe you're tired to attend. You're elated. You're excited. Life is grand. Where do you fall on the scale? between one and 10 mm -hmm. and they'll give us a number. They'll say, I'm at a six right now. We're like, awesome. Can you tell me why, why it's a six? And it is very difficult for them to label how they're feeling. It's really interesting. So my question is, do you find that L in the work that you do, I know your program is all over in schools and in countries. Do you find that L is the most challenging for people? Because I only remember like a few of my emotions, happy, sad, angry, mad, but labeling them to really like, to your point, to get down to the root of it. I'm just wondering if that's, if that's common for what you see when you teach this yeah, this approach. I mean, we are emotionally illiterate for the most part. Uh, <laughs> yes, what totally. Um, it's because it hasn't been part of our formal education. Now, yeah, I urge you to use the mood meter, not a scale from one. Well, to okay, I was gonna say, and I also love your like the 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 four quadrants too. So, coach me, tell me, tell me how we can do this better. Well, the reason why I think it's helpful is that our emotions are typically a product of how we're seeing the world and how we're seeing right. ourselves in that moment. Am I pleasant? Am I unpleasant? Do I feel like approaching or avoiding? And then yeah. we've got the energy, which is, do I feel full of energy or do I feel exhausted and tired? Mm -hmm. And you cross those two axes and you get your four quadrants, right? The high energy, pleasant, the low energy, pleasant, the unpleasant, low and high in energy. 
And so it's a helpful model for taking like all the complexities of what's going on inside and putting it into that emotion space. When you can manage your feelings, you start to create healthy habits, right? I mean, that's the whole goal of emotion. The goal? So you're right. Labeling is tough. We tend to use a limited vocabulary, you know, and also I think, you know, ask me how I'm feeling, if you don't mind, Jill. Mark, how are you feeling today? Fine. That's what we think. No, no. Oh my gosh. And really like, well, what does fine mean? What, what does that mean for you? If you want to know the truth, you know, I'm slightly overwhelmed because you can hear some of the background noise, which is making me crazy because I have construction going on in my house and I can't find a good room. It's Monday and I'm like, I've got meetings until 8 p.m. tonight, which I'm like, why am I doing this? Um, I got more travel coming up than I ever anticipated. Selling my house, my dogs are absolutely going out of the mind because they're not getting enough attention. And so I got a lot of feelings right now. Yeah. So your your first response of fine was actually all of those feelings and experiences. <laughs> and the yeah, that's the truth. And so, yeah. right. And the reason why I share that with you, right, is A, are you like, do you have the time to listen to everything that's going on with me, you know, and my feelings? B, right. do you care? C, is like, what are you going to do with it? D, mm-hmm. am I even labeling it properly? Right. There's so many layers into just asking right. a question. Right. How much time do we sit with that question each day? Not enough. Exactly. And I, I guarantee you, people even can go years, decades without fully asking themselves that. I've had people in their 60s and 70s. Do you know something? One of the most beautiful things happened to me recently. A 97 year old man wrote me an email, which I was fascinated. He wrote me an email telling me that I was his uncle Marvin. He had read my book. He had never really thought about how he felt and had a very difficult life. And that now at 97, he wanted to thank me for giving him permission to feel. Oh my gosh. And I was like, all right, I can retire now. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> my, all of this has been worth that email right there. And so, you know, I'm, I'm being kind of joking. I'm joking with you a little bit right now, but the truth is, most of us don't feel seen and heard. Right. And the way we get seen and heard is by having people care about how we feel. Yeah. And that means we need words to describe it. We need people who want to hear it. And we need people who can handle what they hear because it can be uncomfortable. I mean, I'll, something else I'll just share with you is that in the last month, I've gotten more emails than I have in my entire career from parents whose kids have committed suicide. And I'm just devastated by these emails and, you know, and they say things like, I didn't know I, 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 my kid was popular and my kid had this or, you know, other stories, but it just makes me wonder without ever being judgmental, because it's the worst thing in the world to lose someone is, are we really present with people? Do we really know our spouse, our children, our parents? Have we ever really right. talked about our feelings? And I just think we, we, we're, we're making slow progress in that move, but we are making progress and I'm, I'm happy for that. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that because 
that hits home for me as as well as Mary. Like we're doing this work. Of course, we want to serve all kids, but right now we're serving girls. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when we get in our own way and we make girls mentorship about us, we have to remind ourselves like there is a girl suffering out there who is desperately seeking a space to feel seen, to feel heard, to have a trusted adult, not judge them for where they've been or where they're going, but to love them through the process because that's what that's what I needed. That's what Mary and I needed. That's why we're doing what we're doing. And that's why we want to team up with with people like you because I know you know that you can't do this work alone. And if we can band and hold hands with more people to be more compassionate, to be be more kind, to teach our kids how to feel, I can't imagine the world in the next 10, 15 years, 20 years. And truly, I'm doing it because I want, I have two boys. And it's funny because it's like, yeah, I work with all sorts of girls, but I'm raising two boys. But your book, this work, I am, I want them to understand and talk to me in a way that is is different. And and I and then I want them to go and be the change um, amongst their friends and be the leader to to say things and to speak up. So you sharing you getting the amount or like just the, the email overload hits so oh it just hits me at my heart because I I we talk to those parents weekly weekly mm -hmm. and I know how important this work is it's just it's getting people to understand how to do it how do we approach it how do we start the conversation so thank you for sharing that because I'm sure you're sitting there you know with your team being like, how do we continue to help people? Yeah, and you know, just given that your organization's focus is on girls and and women, you know, part of this is creating gender equity around emotion, right. because there are stereotypes, you know, absolutely that are real. And what's very interesting from the research is that there are very few gender differences early on it's that we're socialized you know using the old kind of binary way of thinking about gender yeah toughen up and you know is you know with the boys here you know yeah or <laughs> you're crying like don't be a girl you know only girls cry um i right. hear that a lot from my kids friends and i'm like whoa hey wait a second it's already happening right so boys don't cry right and you know, girls who show their anger are seen as something that's I'm not going to say. Absolutely. Um, and it, we even see in adult women in the workplace, where what we found in our most recent study was that as women progress in the workplace in terms of promotions, they feel more and more inhibited in being their true emotional selves because right. of judgment and a fear of that it will affect their promotion to the next level. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that's, who's going to take them cool. seriously? No, absolutely not. And so permission to feel is everyone, no matter what your sexual orientation is, no matter what your gender is, should be and have the permission to be whoever they are. It's not for any of us to judge. It's for us to be curious about and mm -hmm. supportive with. Yeah. Now, 
we went through the R, the U, and the L, which is all about experience. The E and the R is, all right, do I express my feelings? Is it safe? Can I trust these people to be my true feel-feeling self with? Things like power play around, you know, in this. You know, people mm-hmm. of greater power can express whatever the heck they want. People of lesser power had to be more careful. Race plays a role in this. Um, as we've seen way too clearly, people of certain races don't have the same permission as people of other races. And we need to really be mindful of that because it's not the job of someone who has been marginalized to figure out how to be unmarginalized, right? It's the job of all of us to make sure that everyone has the permission to be their true selves. Right. And then there's the regulation piece, which is what the heck do I do with these feelings? I know for me, in the beginning of the pandemic, I'm like, all right, quarantine. All right, working from home. All right, stock market crashing. Dogs peeing all over the place because we had just adopted <laughs> dogs. And I'm like, I'm gonna, I got a lot of feelings right now. And, you know, my strategy used to be I used to go to a yoga class that wasn't home you know, at a yoga studio pretty much four mm-hmm. or five days a week. And that yoga studio yeah. closed down. Right. And so I'm like, I don't got my strategies. Yes. And so what am I doing? And I needed to find new strategies. And then I'm also not used to living with my partner and my mother-in-law for like every single day. And I used to travel a lot. And yes. um, and now we're like, you were, life was very confronting. It's like, whoa. Yeah. Everybody's looking at everybody every morning over breakfast. <laughs> like we're going to spend all day Do together. Do we like each other? Do, how are we? Yeah, 100%. That was your, are you describing my household? 100%. Yeah. Yes. It was like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and like, nobody wants to go anywhere. My, my mother-in-law, um, unexpectedly was staying with us because of COVID she's from Panama and couldn't go back to Panama because there were no flights and she's 80 and you know, she didn't want to go outside. Yeah, and, of course. She wanted to basically get up every morning and stare at me, you know, <laughs> and ask me, what am I, what am I <laughs> for dinner that night? I'm like, so what are we going to do today? Dinner, I want to go to, I want to, I want to be alone for dinner. Um, <laughs> We worked through it, but it was tough and I failed a lot. And I, some days I went to bed, I'm like, Mark, you, you should be demoted from your position. And, and then I woke up the next morning thinking, all right, why was I so activated? And what can I do this week, right? This moment to better manage. And it was a lot of soul searching and a lot of practice and, you know, it's hard. And I, I, I say that up front, well, we're in the middle, but I say that because I just want people to realize that this is really hard stuff. And it doesn't mean it's impossible. It just means that we got to put a lot of effort into it and practice and get refined on it, but it's okay. And like, right. I think that once we say, I'm also giving you the permission to fail. Oh, Okay, I wrote down on my little post-it note that you failed a lot. And you talking through how you then got up the next morning to ask yourself those reflection questions of like, okay, why was I so activated? How can I be better? When I look at failure or if I say, yeah, yesterday I wasn't my best self, but how do I allow that to move me forward versus it holding me back or keeping me right where I am. So it's the definition of failure is you failing forward. 
and celebrating that we're not perfect beings, we're human beings. And if we can continue to celebrate failure in a way that isn't making yourself wrong or you beat yourself up or you then get quiet, because a lot of times people do not want to talk about when they fail or how they failed. We put on this persona of we're perfect, life's great, especially on Instagram. You see my grid? It is, I mean, I got the family that everybody wants. We are on those vacations, but you know, behind that grid and really in real life, we're a hot mess. So I love that you, yeah, you're, yeah, well, you're, you're not. I mean, you don't want to, you're not a hot mess, right? You're partly <laughs> hot mess, partly loving. Yes. Partly something else. like where you're just, it's the whole mood meter basically. Yeah. And that's what I think it's important to know is that our lives are a roller coaster, whether we want it to be or not. hundred percent. And you're going to be yellow sometimes, you know, and you may want to be yellow more and you can try for that, but if you, you can't be it all the time, cause that's not realistic, right? You can't be happy all the time. I can't stand people who are happy all the time. Um, <laughs> you can't be content either all the time, right? Like mm -hmm. you gotta like, you're getting a little stress. You gotta take some risks. Yeah. And days are going to be, they're going to be sad days. You know, um, one of my closest friends, brother committed suicide this week. I mean, it's just been a really tough time for, people that I know. I'm sorry. Um, Gosh. And, yeah. I'm so sorry about that. And it was just heartbreaking. And I had a very close colleague die of brain cancer just a couple months ago. And it's like, you know, you're seeing people that are your peers, you know, your age group dying for all kinds of reasons. And it's heartbreaking, of course. But right. my point is, is that life, there's a lot to deal with. And we're not preparing people with the skills they need to deal with it. It's right. I think emotion regulation is next to labeling, as you said earlier, labeling is, mm -hmm. is like the first core piece. It's like, what am I really feeling? Which is by the way, the pathway towards regulating, you can't really regulate without knowing how you're feeling because otherwise you don't know exactly. which strategy to use. And then the regulation piece is it's work and you got to have those cognitive strategies. You got to have those social support strategies. You got to eat the right foods and get some physical activity in and get enough sleep. That's good sleep. And then maybe with lots of practice, you know, you can strive towards having greater well-being as opposed to like being happy all the time. Cause I think really the work is about striving for well-being, a sense of life satisfaction, not a sense of like, I'm excited and jubilant. Those are temporary phases. Right. That's so beautiful. And it's very cool to hear you who, again, you know, you're the director of the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. Like you, you know, it's like you have hard days too. You have hard seasons just like anybody else. And every day you're equipping yourself with skills and strategies and tools for your well-being and allowing yourself to, to feel and not getting down on yourself or beating yourself up or, you know, it's, it's very cool to hear that you're still in the work. And I am too. We are more than just one feeling also, meaning I do have a tendency to 
worry. I, I'm a natural born worrier. worrier. <laughs> uh, but I'm also, I feel deep gratitude, you know, for, you know, the things that you've said about my book and my work. I'm optimistic about um, writing my next book, which is all about regulation. Because I've decided I just want to tackle that and really help people figure that piece out in a stronger, bigger, better way. And so now I'm in learning mode again, which makes me happy because when I don't feel like I'm growing as a person or as a scientist or as a thinker, I feel yucky, which is not a, yeah. not a great feeling word, but kind of, you know what I mean? Totally. And also, so that means you can feel, I think what happens honestly is when we have strong, unpleasant emotions, we give them a lot of power. And we, we make our lives about those feelings. And I just yeah. want your listeners to know that we don't have to do that, right? We can own the feeling and understand where it's coming from. And it doesn't have to have power over our everyday well-being. And I think people feel like if you're anxious, you can't have well-being. And I'm here to tell you, you can have anxiety and have well-being. Mm -hmm. You can have frustration and well-being. Yeah. Um, you can feel despair. You know, there are days that I just feel endlessly hopeless about divisiveness in our society around stuff. And then I think, Mark, your job is to get creative about how to create messages that everyone will want to listen to about this work. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you share that. Whenever I'm in that type of mindset, I think of what is in my control and what is not yeah. and what am i giving power to and if it's so grandiose if it's way beyond my control who do i get to be and that's where i get to check in with who is jill who do i stand for what do i stand for how am i making someone smile today how am i making someone you know like the little nuances mm -hmm. that can literally change my mood I'm in control of that. And sometimes we do, we give so much power. Mary and I like to say um, it's an energy leak and we're constantly in our life looking at where are we leaking energy and how do we plug it so that we buy it back? And it's, it's having the awareness though. It's having the awareness to pause and to say, whoa, I was in that funk for way too long. And how do I next time learn from that and shorten the gap? So I don't have to spend. Yeah, exactly. So I don't have to spend oh, that, that amount of time there again in the future. I'm just going to shorten the gap a little bit. Well, part of being an emotion scientist is reflecting on the strategies that you use and asking yourself, are they working for you? Are they supporting you in having good relationships? Yeah. Are they supporting you in having good well-being? Are they supporting you in achieving your goals and dreams? And when you realize like, wait a minute. So the ruminating every single night before I go to bed for two hours, <laughs> is that helping me with my well-being? Right. Yeah. Right. Is the oh. gossiping about the person who's driving me out of my mind every single day with someone new helping me like resolve the relationship problem? Probably not. So no. the scientist says, let's try another strategy. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. I love 
that's funny. We're, um, we're hosting a workshop at the end of the month, all about rumors and gossip and lies. And I'm going to bring that question. I'm going to bring that question right there to help girls who do ruminate over it or lose friends over it or are a part of it, but it makes them feel icky. I think that's a really powerful question. Like, is it helping you achieve what you want to achieve your well being or the goals that you have for yourself? Sometimes we're just, we're too, we're too in it. Yeah. To even recognize it. Okay. Well, last question, or I guess what advice would you have for girls? Like knowing that, yes, this podcast is for parents, but girls also tune in. So if there was something that you want to say to them about their social, emotional, intelligence or maybe it was advice that you got from your uncle is there something that you want them to know well you know as a as a 52 year old man you know I want to be mindful you know about my recommendations and opinions i think what's most important is that we surround ourselves with people with whom we can be our true full feeling selves and so I think that for young women and girls in particular, building that discerning lens, you know, and asking yourself questions, is this friend, is this partner, is this person, someone who is lifting me up or bringing me down? Is this person helping me grow or are they trying to have control or power over me? Um, is this person helping me to achieve a sense of well-being or making me feel like I have to walk on eggshells and feeling you know, overwhelmed and anxious? And I think that the more we can surround ourselves with people who are the that have the characteristics of good old Uncle Marvin, and the top three from my research are empathic. They feel our feelings. They care about our feelings. They're compassionate. They do stuff to let us know that they really care. Um, and they're non-judgmental. They allow us to be our true fulfilling selves. And so that's my, that's my recommendation. I mean, mic drop, not only for the girls, but honestly for me to remember, like I, it's a practice and constantly checking in with how I'm feeling like today. We had a morning, <laughs> so as much as I'm like, yeah, woohoo! I was so excited to. Honestly, I this was this was a deep breath, the exhale that I needed for an hour, because prior to us jumping on this podcast and what I'm about to go endure, it's like okay, I I also needed to feel all the feelings and be like, okay, I also can be sad and overwhelmed, but also excited because I'm like, I get to talk to Mark Brackett. This is the coolest because I know how much you're going to pour into our community. I just knew that, okay, I can feel these feelings and I'm going to come on here and also just be with, be with you, be present with you. And those three reminders are a gentle reminder for me of like, take that with you for the rest of your day. And I'm so grateful. Thank you. You have no idea personally <laughs> how much I needed this conversation. I really appreciate that. And um, 
I wish you the best with all that you're doing and, and oh. I'm grateful that I can be helpful. You're too. incredible. Absolutely. Before we press end on this podcast, where can everybody find you? I think the easiest is to just go to my website, which is Mark okay. with a C bracket, B-R-A-C-K-E-T-T.com. And from there, you can learn about all the different, the app will be up there very soon that I was telling you about so people can download. Yes, cool. And also, you know, I do a lot of stuff on social media on Instagram and, and Twitter. So just mark.bracket on Instagram and mark.bracket on Twitter. And I do a lot on teaching people emotion words from different languages to help have fun with emotional intelligence. Absolutely. Um, just different kinds of things like that. So that's what I recommend. Yeah. Cool. And we'll make sure to plug all of that in our show notes. But Mark, yeah. truly, thank you. Thank you for who you are and what you've overcome in your life to be this gift to so many. Truly, it's been an honor and a privilege to speak with you today. And I wish you nothing but the best and can't wait to continue to do this work together. I appreciate that. Thank you, Bill. Right. Yeah, take care. We say this every time, but wow, what a powerful episode. These conversations always leave us feeling so fired up and inspired. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in with us. If you're looking for more, head over to girlsmentorship.com slash WTL for the show notes. And if you felt as inspired by listening to this conversation as we did having it, we would be ecstatic if you'd advocate for us in one or all of the next three ways. One, by sharing this episode with a friend or on your social media. Two, by heading over to iTunes and leaving us a rating and an honest review. And three, by following us on social media. This community is full of movers and shakers. We share ideas, we ask questions. So if you're interested, we've linked our Instagram account as well as our exclusive community on Facebook in the show notes. Until next time, you guys, remember, the more you know, the better you do. And this bomb-ass episode was sponsored by Girls Mentorship. <laughs>